murderers decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Decoding the Crime Verse. I'm Nolte Lee. And I am Danny. And today, well, <laughs> so Nadine and I have both tried to watch this uh-uh, series on Netflix. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Start that sentence off again. Okay, I tried to watch it and then Nolene tried to watch it and we both Thank failed you. miserably. And if you haven't heard by now about the new Jeffrey Dahmer show on Netflix, well, where have you been? Because it's been like top 10 for weeks now. Um, but I could not get past the first episode. And that says a lot because um, I run a crime show. So yeah. that's when you know things are real there. Especially um, you. Especially me. No, Lena can understand. No, Lena's a lot more. She doesn't like as much as the blood and gore as I do. But I was like, yeah. no, nah, I'm not a fan. But we'll <laughs> get into the story of Jeffrey Dahmer and then we'll actually speak about the show at the end. So. Today we're going to look at the monster that was Jeffrey Dahmer. From cannibalism to necrophilia, this is a case that gives a glimpse into what true evil looks like. And it really does. I honestly don't understand how sick in the head you must be to, to do what he did. So, Jeffrey Dahmer was an American serial killer and sex offender. He was born on May 21st. 1960. Between the years 1978 and 1991, Dahmer murdered 17 males in truly horrific fashion. Rape, dismemberment, necrophilia, and cannibalism were all parts of his mo, uh, MO. Yeah. So I just realized did you know that MO stands for modus operandi? Yeah, I did. Please don't shock me. Please do not shock me. Please, I didn't know that. Do not shock me. (laughs) I'm I'm sitting here reading this word. I'm like, oh, that's M.O. That makes so much sense. (laughs) Anyway, now I know what M.O. stands for. So, by most accounts, Dharma had a normal childhood. However, he became withdrawn and uncommunicative as he got older. Now, when Nolene and I were originally discussing this, we were like, okay, someone doesn't just switch. There's switch. Not, it's, it's, it's not a thing that someone's just going to now yeah. become so secluded. So we were brainstorming this whole thing of we believe something must have happened to him. And, I mean, Nolene suggested the whole thing of probably being raped by a male that was close to him, which, Mm. if as we look into the case, I do think makes quite a lot of sense. But, like I said, let's look at the details and then we can dissect because I think he's probably got one of the most interesting brains. Don't use the word dissect, please, not in this case, Danny. (laughs) Danny! I can't. Uh, You made me laugh. So, he began showing little to no interest in hobbies or social interaction as he entered adolescence, turning instead to examining animal carcasses and heavy drinking for entertainment. Now, it has been said that one of the signs of a psychopath 
is when they're a child, they have an interest in like dead animals or they're killing yeah. animals. So this is already red flag number one. His drinking continued throughout high school, but did not stop him from graduating in 1978, which I worked out. He killed his first person when he was 18. Yeah, that's Which crazy. is insane. It's insane. It was just three weeks later that the 18-year-old committed his first murder. Due to his parents unfolding divorce that summer, Jeffrey was left in his family home alone. He seized the opportunity to act on his dark thoughts that he had been growing in his mind. He picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks. That's quite funny. You're a hitchhiker and your surname is Hicks. Yeah. <laughs> and offered to take him back to his father's house to drink beer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if there's one thing we can get across on this show, if anyone yeah. you don't know offers to take you home, please say no. Why are you getting in the car? Some random on the street. You know you're not walking out alive. Although this was the 70s. It wasn't the world we live in today. But stop. So, but when Hicks decided to leave, Dharma hit him in the back of the head with a 10-pound dumbbell. Dharma then dissected, dissolved, (laughs) pulverized, and scattered the now imperceptible remains throughout his backyard and had later admitted to killing him simply because he wanted Hicks to stay. Nine years would pass before he killed again. So there was clearly something about abandonment issues. And I think, especially as it said, the started, the trigger being his parents' up-and-coming divorce. I think there was definitely a sense of he wanted... To not be alone. And now yeah. when the person was like, oh, I'm going home. He's like, uh, you know, no, you, you have to stay with, you stay yeah. with me. So that is definitely something that is playing a role is this whole thing of abandonment. And most likely he was rejected a lot in mm. his life. So Dharma attended college that fall, but dropped out due to his alcoholism. After that, his father forced him to enlist in the army, where he served as a combat medic in Germany from 1979 to 1981. However, he never kicked the habit and was discharged that spring, moving back home to Ohio. After his drinking continued to cause problems, his father sent him to live with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. By 1985, he was frequenting gay bathhouses where he would drug men and rape them as they lay unconscious. Although he was arrested twice for incidents of indecent exposure in 1982 and 1986, he only faced probation and was not charged for the rapes. Which is the first problem. Why is he not being charged for the rapes? Yeah. They probably thought because it was men, they were like, nah. Back in the days, it was whole The whole gay thing. But here's my thing. So this is where I'm starting to pull in what Nolene said about him being raped by a guy. I feel like he then... He knew... He he wanted to be gay, but then I feel like... There were issues there. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Like, he, like when you, you want to... You obviously, I mean, he's sleeping with them. Yeah. So he obviously is enjoying the act. But, like, there is definitely some underlying issues 
to the fact that he has to drug them and rape them or kill them first. Yeah. So definitely, I, I honestly do believe, and it's quite sad that if someone did rape him, no one has actually ever been charged or yeah. accused even because, yeah. I mean, they sent this monster into the world, if I'm being honest with you. So, Stephen Tuomi, I'm probably saying that so wrong, but it is okay, was his second victim killed in September of 1987. Dharma picked him up from a bar and took him to a hotel room where he woke up the next morning to his beaten dead body. He later stated that he had no memory of actually murdering him, implying that he had committed the crime on some sort of blacked out impulse. The killings occurred sporadically after Stephen, with two victims in 1988 and one in 1989 and four in 1990. He continued to lure unsuspecting men from bars or solicited prostitutes whom he then drugged, raped and strangled. At this point though, Dharma also began carrying out particularly disturbing acts with the corpses, continued to use the bodies for intercourse, taking photos of the dismemberment process, preserving with scientific precision his victim's skulls and genitals for display and then retaining parts for consumption. Now, I did, I don't know if you told me or I read that his father was some type of his father had shown him how to do... How like, to dissect, yes. So dissect. his father had showed him how to dissect the animals and, like, it became their thing. Like, the two of them, that they'd Which find really roadkill and dissect it. Me. Yeah. So, I mean, as you can see, there is a lot of problems from the get-go. We're obviously having trauma in his past. Yeah. From a young age, he was taught to do these gruesome, heinous acts... There's obviously the whole thing of alcoholism. Yeah. So clearly there is something not right with this man's brain. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's also one thing to rape a person, but then to sleep with a dead body yeah. is an entirely different act. Like, yeah. I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. It just makes me sick to my yeah. stomach. And then to eat them. It's actually a whole nother level of mist in the head. Yeah, he keeps taking his own crimes to the next level, which is crazy. Yes. But, I mean, like, we've done a bunch of serial killers on the show. And we have seen gruesome ones. We've seen Edwin Gein. We've seen Jack the Ripper. All of which, I mean, they were also dissecting and stuff. But not to the point where we're eating and we're sleeping with the dead bodies yeah do you get what i'm saying like it's a whole nother level of messed up and again i think it comes back to that whole thing of not being wanting to be alone he's so desperate for companionship that he's willing to do things with dead bodies which is yeah i mean honestly but here's a question i've always wanted to know i think he would have found someone either way because I don't think he was bad looking. So I don't know what his problem no, I, was. I, I agree, but I feel his social skills. For me, like, I don't know. I, often you hear about people saying, like, 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 let's take the whole thing of children when they're little. You can see the signs of a psychopath as yeah. in by them killing animals. 
is that actually something like in your brain like is it the way do you understand what is it is it the way you you I want to know the science behind it because that doesn't just happen do you get what I'm saying yeah like what on earth in some children do they have in their brain that causes them to be like oh my goodness this is going to yeah. be a psychopath yeah i mean another thing i was in our show we did about the australian underworld the yeah, australian yeah, yeah. gangsters if you haven't listened go listen the research i was doing it kept speaking about how all the documentary i was watching the one lady kept speaking about how they had the criminal gene and people with this gene are more likely to um end up as criminals yeah. but i want to know if, if that's an actual biological thing like yeah, is that what actually gene would this be what like, is it what actually causes it like yeah. what happens in the brain that turns a person basically into a psychopath yeah because it I, i feel like it doesn't just happen yeah yeah but man's i mean to be eating a oh, i can't During the period Dharma was arrested for an incident at his job at the Ambrosia chocolate factory. Imagine a cannibal is making your chocolate that freaks me out. I wonder if he went there because he wanted to chocolate coat human part. Like I know it's crazy, uh, but like uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Where he drugged and sexually fondled a 13-year-old boy. For this he was given a sentence of 5 years probation. one year at a work release camp and he was required to register as a sex offender he was released two months early from the work program and subsequently moved into a Milwaukee apartment in may of 1990 there despite regular appointments with his probation officer he would remain free to commit four murders that year and eight more in 1991 so it also definitely got worse because he started off yeah. with like one a year to a year then we suddenly had 80 year i mean but again i do kind of feel like there is an addiction yeah that comes with it but i mean he should have been in jail when he was raping the victims i mean not to got to this point if yeah. it had been done correctly if you ask me Dharma began killing around one person each week by the summer of 1991. He became infatuated with the idea that he could turn victims into zombies to act as youthful and submissive sexual partners. He used many different techniques such as drilling holes into their skulls and injecting hydrochloric acid or boiling water onto their brains. Soon neighbors began to complain about strange noises and awful smells coming from Dharma's apartment. On one occasion, a lobotomized victim left unattended even made it out onto the street to ask several bystanders for help. When Dharma returned, however, he successfully convinced the police that the irrational young man was simply his extremely intoxicated boyfriend. The officers failed to run a background check that would have revealed Dharma's sex offender status, yeah. allowing him to narrowly escape his fate for a little while longer. But you see, here's my thing. The cops are also to blame here. Yeah. He should have been in jail for the rapes in the first place. Yeah. Okay? And even the whole with the 13-year-old boy. He should have been put in prison, not some work not camp. Not probation. Okay. I'm sorry, but 
you need to be punished for your crimes. This work camp nonsense is nonsense. Okay, yeah. put them in prison. Especially a child rapist. Your prison, they don't last very long, but it's yeah. fine. You should have been in prison. And what's the point of having someone register as a sex offender if police actually don't check? Yeah. Then you know what no I'm point. saying? Then there's no point. On July 22nd, 1991, Dom lured Tracy Edwards into his home with the promise of cash in exchange for his company. While inside, Edwards was then forced into the bedroom by Dharma with a butcher knife. During the struggle, Edwards was able to get free and escape out into the streets where he flagged down a police car. When the police arrived at Dharma's apartment, Edwards alerted them to the knife that was in the bedroom. Upon entering the bedroom, the officers found the pictures of dead bodies and dismembered limbs and allowed them to finally place Dharma under arrest. Further investigation of the home led them to find a severed head in the refrigerator, three more severed heads throughout the apartment, multiple photographs of the victims and more human remains in the refrigerator. A total of seven skulls were found in his apartment as well as a human heart in the freezer. An altar was also constructed with candles and human skulls in his closet. After being taken into custody, Dharma confessed and began divulging the gruesome details of his crimes to the authorities. I also think there was definitely some satanic aspect here. I honestly, yeah, especially the I don't, with the candles and the skulls. And what's I don't see I know we often speak about the smell of his apartment, but I don't think we fully grasp mm-hmm. it, hey? I mean, having that many heads and human parts, no, can you it imagine? it must have been it's like, revolting. Uh-uh. That's revolting. He's poor neighbors. But here's my thing. I actually, now that I think about it, I actually do not think you can get to this level of evil without demonic forces yeah. involved. I actually, yeah. this is... I honestly can say this is true evil. It, yeah. This is what it looks like. Yeah. He is eating people. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. It's So I will not be surprised if there were so t- satanic rituals yeah. and things like that. I mean, in the show, the very little that I watched, one of the first scenes they do show a satanic Bible, Bible next to his bed or like a satanic book. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were some funny, funny, funny things going on there. Yeah. Dharma was indicted for 15 murder charges and the trial began on January 30th, 1992. Even though the evidence against him was overwhelming, Dharma pled insanity as his defense due to the nature of his incredibly disturbing and uncontrollable impulses. Following two weeks of trial, the court declared him sane and guilty on 15 counts of murder. That's another thing, to actually be declared sane, meaning you like you knew what you were doing, yeah. is another story. Yeah. He was sentenced to 15 life terms, which is a total of 957 years in prison. In May of the same year, he entered a guilty plea for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks, and received an additional life sentence. Dharma served his time at the Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage, I think that's how you said, Wisconsin. During his time in prison, Dharma expressed remorse for his actions and wished for his own death. He would also read the Bible and declared himself a born-again Christian, ready for his final judgment. He was attacked twice by fellow inmates, with the first attempt to slice his neck, leaving him with a, only a superficial wound. However, he was attacked a second time on November 28, 1994 by an inmate as they cleaned one of the prison showers. Dharma was found still alive but died on his way to the hospital from severe head trauma. So he actually was murdered himself. 
and that is the end of Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, for me, um, when I did um, watch more on the guy who killed him, the guy said that mm-hmm. he killed him because Jeffrey Dahmer and the other guy he killed, they showed no remorse about their crimes and the way they'd speak about their crimes as well. That yeah, made him upset. Yeah, but then you see, this com- that completely then contradicts him claiming to be a newborn Christian, Christian because... If you claim to it, you would have repented and you would be trying at least in some way to make amends for what you've done. Yeah. Not not showing remorse or anything. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, he was also missed. I remember reading that he was, he didn't even scream as the guy beat him to death. I do feel like all the way to the end, he was possessed by a demon. I think he did it as a mockery, sort of. I think he was mocking it. And I think, Mm. like, he was also very cocky all the way till the end because the guy said the way he would taunt them in the jail, the guy who killed him, he would taunt them in the Mm -hmm. jail and he'd constantly bring up what he did. And, like, he was very cocky No, but then that is definitely not a mark of a born-again Christian. That is completely not what we as christians would stand yeah. for if i've killed someone and then gone to prison and repented yeah i'm not going to be bragging about what yeah. i did yeah so Do you get what i'm saying definitely and I, mean, I, don't, we don't, I don't know what really happened but i know from the guy's account who killed him that we're not disputing that people can come yeah with, no one is too lost to come to christ i mean that's yeah. i mean if you look at um paul in the bible i mean he was killing christians and yeah. he himself then became this great um, preacher and yeah. like so we're not disputing that God can take anyone's messed up life and use them but yeah. to f- then find out the reason he was killed was because he was showing lack of remorse and he would yeah. actually to the point be bragging that's not something that someone who had repented and changed his ways would, would do. do Yeah, and I do agree I do think there were most likely demonic forces involved yeah. and so yeah, I don't, again, we get to heaven. If I see Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. there, I'll be like, "Oh, hello." If not, well. <laughs> yeah, so you're not saying he hello, Daddy. Killed... You are running <laughs> in the oh, opposite direction to, to find Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so he confessed to murdering seventeen men, and I, I mean, and again, there wasn't the only pattern. Sort of was that they were men and most of them gay yeah Um, but i mean he killed like his youngest victim was 14 his oldest victim was 33 yeah so like and he sexually assaulted at least three other people yeah and i actually wanted to know more about um the polaroid photos he took so Dharma took photos of his victims during the murder process. This is according to the son. He kept them mostly in his dresser and in his freezer. And there were many Polaroid shots of males of different stages of dress poses and surgical excisions. Yeah. According to the report by forensic investigator Shirley Games, the report also states that he kept a photo diary. Many people who are well aware of Dharma's story and those who are just learning from the Netflix series, obviously, it's been reported that he would pose bodies in sexually suggestive positions because he wanted to keep them as mementos to keep him company. Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. And then he, how he would actually kill them is Dharma would 
was methodical in the way he sought out his victims and how he killed them. Um, like we said, he often picked them up at gay bars, malls and bus stops and he lured them back to his home with the promises of money or sex. Dharma would then provide his victims with alcohol that he laced with drugs and kill them. After the victims died, Dharma would have sex with them, dismember them and sometimes, like we said, keep their body parts. He d- discarded their bones in a 57-gallon drum bought for the purpose of disposing the evidence. So, yeah, he was... Yeah. a real sicko if you ask me even just having that in his house the smell from that itself never mm, mind i don't the, know how you live i don't know how, how do that you place sleep oh. yeah tell us what um, you think i'm already like i feel think. the way i felt at the end of edward Dean, but like 10 times worse at the end of this episode so i'm really done yeah, with you it can, already you can <laughs> it's one of the things ah. that we've never ever said yeah. this but don't watch it no shame we always recommend yeah. things i'm not recommending this um yeah, but I think that's all. Yeah. Honestly, he really disgusted me. Yeah. That's, no. a lot. that's a lot to disgust me. Yeah. It does. Yeah. She was not disgusted by Edward Dean. She gave us the topic I to do. So it takes a lot. I, I, I was disgusted by Edward Dean. <laughs> okay, she was. When, yeah, after she you did the like research. You just to bring, me, bring that up every time. <laughs> It'll stay with you forever. Um, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but that is all for this week. But from now until next week, no more, miss. It's that simple. Become part of the family today because radio has never been better with Active FM. This is Radio On Demand. What you want, when you want it. It's Active FM. Radio has never been better, baby. This is Active FM. Go to www.activefm.co.za for more. For more. For more.